0: I see a beautiful spattering of red throughout the audience. It's beautiful. It's like I was going to make some connection but looks like victory. And I know some of you are like some of you, because I've I've met everyone who is a Detroit Lions fan this week in the whole world. Dale, we love you. Just so you know, I'm a Lions fan, and we're going to destroy your team. I'm like, may God be with you. What do you want me to say? I'm sorry for the life you've lived? I don't know. <laughs> Just kidding. But I'm the one with the microphone right now, so I'm not kidding. It's good to see you all. Thanks for being here uh, together. Hi, Beth. She's like, I'm horrified right now that you're going to say hi to me, but you are my friends. My friend Sarah, hi. This is just what I do. Okay, got it. We are, uh, been doing a series talking around like the first things of the Christian life, the things that are essential. I kind of feel like in some ways, uh, I, I can't say we're, like we backed into this, but as more as I look at this and see this, I'm like, this is really what the church should be about. Like when people ask me like, what is your church about? Like, what specific thing? And I'm like, you know what? We're, we're really striving to be a place that, like, really t- trusts God. That's faith in God. That that we're a place that follows Jesus. Not follows what we think Jesus, but literally follows Jesus. And then we worship together. And, like, we praise that God. And then, like, what do we do because of those kinds of things? How do we bring that in to the world and how do we mean forward that like faith together there's that verse we looked at it's like it is impossible without faith to please God I mean that's something heavy to be looking at like wait it is impossible without faith to please God like there's something about faith that grabbed Jesus' attention and God's attention that we follow him together and we looked at the verse like to pick up our cross daily with him And do that journey. And last week we talked about worshiping together and how we're literally joining the worship that's already happening in heaven. It's not like we start worship at 9 or 9.10 or 9.22, whenever you decide to get here. But, I, I joke, but I don't. We look at Revelation 4, where it says day and night, never stop in heaven, never, never stops in heaven saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and that's what we participate in. I was so blessed by what Steve shared last week when he said, true worship connects us to community and reorients us to the eternal. True worship brings all the awe and wonder in our lives and directs it towards God, drawing us to the reality. That this is what heaven is like and what we'll have for all eternity. It's not just a common partake and leave, but it's like this is reality. And today, as we looked at the first three weeks, really the direction towards God, today we start to say there's also these sensual things across outward. Like, because of this, what do we do here? Today we're talking about. Ministry. Now, some of you might instantly go, I'm not in the ministry. I don't need to listen, or this is all for Dale, who's like a professional. Yes, I'm a professional in ministry. But if we read scripture, who's in ministry? Yeah, some of you, are like all of us, dear Lord. <laughs> Just letting you know it's in there. I want to read to you what I see as a beautiful. Beautiful passage in Romans chapter 12. It says this. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I was going to skip to verse three but i can't do not conform to the pattern of this world i realize this one isn't on the screen but just listen but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what god's will is his good pleasing and perfect will now listen for by the grace given me i say to every one of you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith, God has distributed to whom? To each one of you. He's dealt the cards to each one of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. See, we may have different gifts <laughs> According to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Pray. these amazing beautiful words Father that you gave to the Apostle Paul to write to these people in Rome and write to us and as we see in Romans there's so much about theology and doctrine and so much about our sin and how we get forgiveness from you and, and that The wages of our sin is death, but the gift of you is eternal life. And then there's this point in this letter where it's like, because of these things, because of this engagement of faith and following and worshiping me is reality. Now then, make it real with each other. Father, help us today to understand that peace. In your name, amen. Sometimes a great experience in worship or it just could be a great experience being inspired by maybe a church or just being inspired by a YouTube video or even a TikTok. You're like, I want to make a life change. Sometimes you have those experiences where you want to make difference. You want to grow. You want to you, you be better. Sometimes those hit a block, right? Inspiration is challenged. You're like, oh, that just kind of sounds a little bit hard. And you go on to the next day. It kind of sounds like New Year's resolutions in a way aspirational thinking that you want to make these kinds of changes, but it drifts away. Kind of reminds me of going to the movies in a bit. You pull up in your car that you may or may not like. You drive up, you park, you walk into some building that may be beautiful, may be indiscreet. You walk in and you're suddenly in a dark room and you're transported to something different than your life, for that is why we go to the movies. Often we don't go to the movies to go, man, I want to see a story that this is my life. Like, no, I want somebody else's life for a little bit. Right? And so, like, I remember, like, you go to these movies and, like, James Bond and his cars, and he's so cool, and he drives around, and I walk out, I'm like, man, I'm just like James Bond as I hop into my 2006 Toyota. And I'm like, come on, start, start, start. This is not as cool as I thought I was. But that's what happens. We get inspired. And there was this movie that came out about 15 years ago, and they've done another one, called Avatar. And Avatar, at the time, it was like this beautiful, like stimulating experience with bright colors. And what was actually happening, people started to become depressed because of this movie, or at least blamed this movie. Because what they saw is so beautiful, then they had to get moved into their normal world, of how things are, they started to go, that's not right. In fact, they started to do these online blogs and support groups, and there was a 17-year-old young man from Sweden who called himself some sad kid from Sweden. That was his name, but it's kind of funny. He wrote this. When I woke up this morning after watching Avatar for the first time yesterday, the world seemed gray. It was like my whole life, everything I've done and worked for lost its meaning. It just seems so meaningless. I still don't really see any reason to keep doing the things at all. I live in a dying world. And I'm like, brother, this must have been like the middle of winter in Sweden, which can be beautiful, but it's just like, Avatar, I need you back. This is maybe how we feel sometimes. We get inspired or we love the worship of God. But to bring those things into our, what we would sometimes feel like our mundane world of carpool duties and providing lunch for your kids or a job that you don't really like? Like, how do you take those emotions and feelings and response to a God and that worship and bring it into your world? It's probably the reason why a lot of people start to deconstruct even the things they believe because they're like, this doesn't work. I'd say a high percentage of the conversations I have throughout the week is, this God that we talk about, how does it really work with my marriage or my friends or in my job? Why doesn't God just make it better? The key, though, I think part of this, is you remember, is to follow Jesus really means not just to the beliefs about him, but to literally do what Jesus did, because that is his invitation. When we worship, when we follow, when we trust, we get to see who God is, what he's doing, and what he has done. And what ministry is, is bringing that incarnationally with our bodies into the world. Here's my engagement with God, who he is, what he's done, what Jesus has done. Now how do I bring that? Bringing what? Bringing what into the world? We have this amazing opportunity to hear what Jesus said to his father about us. About what Jesus really, really wanted for us. That that. John 17 is this whole prayer around like Jesus' prayer with his father. His calling out. And I would encourage you to read. But there's this section. There's this part of Jesus' prayer that I think is so beautiful but it also unlocks what is it that we are asked to bring into the world. John 17, verse 20, you just going kind to of have to listen. It's not on the screen. This was a late edition. Not from the Bible, but from my head. <laughs> this wasn't just like dropped. You know how the kids say, yeah, it got dropped overnight. This wasn't just dropped overnight, though it may have been dropped overnight in my head. John 17, verse 20, just listen. The words of Jesus. I will also, I pray also. For those who will believe in me through their message, he's talking about through the message of the disciples, and he's talking around how it on goes. So I will pray for them through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you, Jesus and His Father, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe. Who you are and that you have sent me so that the world may believe. I have given them, this is so beautiful. I have given them, Jesus, like I've given them, you, the glory that you gave me. That they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Friends, this isn't just like a verse. There's times like, I really want to know. This is what Jesus said to his father. And it's not just about, I want unity for the people of the world just to get along. But he's saying things like this. The glory that you gave me from the very beginning of of the world, that glory is the glory I want others to know. And to bring. What Jesus is saying is that ministry is bringing His glory that is now in you to places. That's a pretty amazing opportunity. And it's not just for the pastor, it's for all of us. The glory Jesus refers to as the glorious, loving unity of the triune God is now in us. The love that you have may be in them, and that I myself be in them. Here's God's vision for us. God's vision for humanity is nothing less than for us to participate with each other in the perfect love that he is throughout eternity. God's vision for church, for people, for his people, to participate in the perfect unity of the Trinity and the everlasting love, to be a participant in that for eternity. Like that sounds really hard, but it's from him. You can say it like this. Through ministry, you make the ultimate reality of God's kingdom a reality in this world. Meaning this. Whatever you, whatever we experience in God's world, when we worship, when we pray, when we're moved, when we're challenged, when we're touched, when we're convicted, that you and I are now carriers of that to the world. I remember often being told as a kid, and I am sure I passed it on, probably even in my teenage years when I'm like, what is the purpose of like really following God? Like they're like, "A well, good Christian Dale, like the, what's most important to God is that you're a good example. And I'm like, that's the most important thing? Like if I can just pull it off that I'm just a good example? And I'm like, I, and I get that. Like it's important to be a good example. I mean, Jesus himself like says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So, yeah, good deeds, good example, super important. But as God's up in heaven and he's like, man, you've had these amazing interactions with me and I just want you to go be a nice person. Like, just be a good example. That was super hard for me as a teenager because I often would fall short of just being a good example. And I'm like, there has to be more because that sounds like it's just up to me. In those verses, Jesus says Do good deeds, but from what place? From the light. I'm not called to be a light on my own, but the light that Christ has put in me needs to come out. There's something there. Ministry is taking that engagement with God and the inner work that he does into our world with people and to people. This means where we work where we play, to the people we know, to those who do not know, we should not confuse people about what God is like, but we should confound them of what God is really like. No one goes to the gas station just to fill up their car and be like, man, I got a full tank of gas and it's awesome, because mostly it depresses us with how much it costs now. And I also have to add to this illustration, I know a lot of you, just plug your car in. Good for you. I'm just kidding (laughs) Just jealous. But you don't ever just fill up the gas. I don't ever see pictures like killing it, hashtag blessed, full tank of gas. I mean, maybe more and more, but no one's like at Arco going, full tank. Or you don't take pictures of like your gas tank, it's like it's on full. We fill our tanks or charge our cars for where that can now deliver us to experience. I've never seen a car commercial with a guy saying, you got to have this car because a full tank of gas is just awesome. It's where it brings us, right? The adventures we can go on. Those are the things that we remember and celebrate. God's like, I have not called you to just have a full tank of gas with me. But it's where that can now bring you. And the experience that it has. Every single one of us, is, the truth is that every single one of us as a follower of Jesus is in ministry. Every single one of us. Because the fundamental truth of following Jesus is that worship is to do ministry. It's to reach out. It's to let it out. Let me dive into this a little bit and i got to get going. Ministry, which is really the word diakonia, it really means in its basic meaning is to serve service. And Jesus makes this super clear to his followers that serving and servanthood holds a unique space with him. It's the alignment of really who we are with the Father. Jesus says this, the greatest among you will be your servant for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is super counterintuitive to anything in our world and maybe even today. But serving or servanthood, ministry, should be the outcome or the effect of this. And when it's not, it's the same as going and just thinking, man, I got a full tank of gas and that's awesome. But you're not doing anything with it. Once again, ministry is carrying forth Christ's mission into the world. But how do we do this? How? Paul's favorite illustration, because he uses it a lot, is around the body. The body. The body. Literal body, but also connecting with Jesus. Remember from the verses I read in Romans 12. For just as each of us has one body, so literally, like just as you have a body with arms, fingers, legs, toes. Has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. We're like, yeah, we know that. So in Christ, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. In our world and day and age of individualism, where we want to take care of ourselves, let's be honest, that is super hard. It almost feels disorienting. And what was true back then is true today. We all consider ourselves most likely to be the most important part of the body. We're like, man, I am that buffed bicep. Like, you can't do nothing without me. You know, no one I hear, very rarely do I hear, like I'm the little like pinky toe, which serves no purpose in life. Or like the toenail on the little pinky that <laughs> fell off. That i am just you know, we don't see ourselves that way, mostly. But here's some observations I have. even about this analogy. He says that Christ is our head and that we come from him. So what are my observations? In order to do what the head says, which is Jesus, we have to stay connected to the head. You're like, No doubt, but we we have to stay connected to the head. Rogue arms or legs make no sense. We often say things like, oh, my arm has a mind of its own. That's never a sign of health. That means your arm is doing something you don't want it to do, right? Or your eye is twitching, or there's something that happens in you. A sign of health is never a thing on its own. So how do we stay connected to this head? I think what Paul is saying, it's faith, and it's following, it's worship, and then... It is deeply paying attention to each other. Like deeply paying attention. Listening to each other's heart, to each other's life, what another is carrying. Secondly, I would say this, is the body has to care for itself for it to be useful to the world at all. Not just you, but the body. Man, four or five days before Christmas Eve, we had an amazing Christmas Eve here. We had like 1,400 people come and be with us on Christmas Eve, which is like a 1,000 more than normally here on a Sunday morning. It was like, who are all of you? And they're like, I got my candle, and I'm burning this place down. No, they didn't say that. <laughs> but like four days before Christmas Eve, I was so sick. Like I didn't sleep at all one night, and then all of a sudden like the next day I was sitting there, and Lisa's like, you don't look so good. I'm like, thank you. And then I slept like, 42 out of the next 48 hours. I just slept. I was sick. I didn't feel good. I get very dramatic when I'm sick. I start going, I forgot what it was like to be healthy. I'm watching something on TV, and I'm like, they're healthy. Why can't I be healthy? It's kind of like when I fly. This plane will never land. Or if it's cold, it'll never get warmer. I get a little dramatic in my head. The reality is, though, that when I was so sick, It doesn't matter what gifts and abilities I had. It doesn't matter that I had a message written for Christmas Eve. When I was sick, I was really of no use for what God had done in me. By the grace of God, he healed me and I got better. But when the body is sick, it doesn't matter if you have the gift of prophesying or healing or encouraging or all those. It doesn't because you're sick and that means you're not doing what God has called you to do. The body has to care for itself. How do we do these things? How does the body have care for itself? Us. We make sure there's like no need among us, Scripture says. We listen to each other in order to hear what's inside of each other. And then we confess with one another. We commit to emotional, healthy relationships conversations and care we pray for each other and with each other and then we serve each other and serve with each other and why do we do these things is so the whole body will be healthy connected to the head because the other thing is that we are the church we are literally the body of Christ Christ resurrected sure does that mean like he's gone he's also like he left something behind he's like now church you're my body So how did Jesus, if we're literally following him, how did he serve? His body went places. So what is the hope for the world? We would say, that's Jesus. How does Jesus work? Well, with his body and his spirit. That's next week, the spirit. But who is this body now? So when we pray, Jesus, go make a difference over there, he's like, sweet, let's go. So often we're like, okay, God, we're like playing, go there, go there, like as if it's some kind of like video game we're playing. He's like, you're supposed to go with me. I want you to go with me. And this is what I have found. There is nothing this life can be better than to be a part of what God is doing. I'm telling you, you could debate this with me. And you're like, no, there is nothing better than life than having all the money you need to do everything you want. And I'm like, it's not just Jesus who says you'll forfeit your soul. Because you'll sit in my office and you'll tell me how your soul has been forfeited. <laughs> and it hurts. But when you get to be a part of, the, masters of the, the master of the universe's plan for humanity and you see life change that only he can do and you're a part of it, All of a sudden you're holding a baby so a couple can go to church i remember when my beautiful wonderful daughter who's now perfect in all of her ways, she's right back there i'm changing this story in the second service just so you know (laughs) was like a little kid a little baby and i just look at it she just loved being with her mom so much that whenever her mom would bring her to the nursery she just screamed if you remember in the old building, there was like a number that would come up, and that was your number. Every week, Lisa's like, no, not my number, not my And then in about seven minutes, boom, the number came up, and Lisa would do the walk of shame. And I'm like, uh, she's like, shouldn't you help me? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. I do the holy work of the Lord on Sunday. Of course, I'm joking because I would not be here today still, if that's what it was. But it came a point where there was this couple in our church who just, Somehow had the Holy Spirit gift to God and my daughter would make it through the whole service And they just would hold her and care for her They were like doing the work of the body And my wife got to go to church I'm telling you there's things that God asked us to do just to help each other out that may not be like Man I have the spiritual gift of holding a baby But there's things we do to care For the body. Real quick, because I know we're going on. Three practical ways to serve, to minister and serve. We do it through listening. We do ministry through serving. And ministry through character. Look back at verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith God has distributed to you. The idea is this. Ministry is participating in Christ's ongoing ministry as he offers himself to others through us. It's important to know that it's his ministry that we get to be a part of. What he's already doing, we join in. Here are some beautiful questions, I think, to even ask God. One, Jesus What ministry are you doing in my child? How can I join you? And listen. Jesus, what are you doing in the life of my spouse? How can I join you? Jesus, what are you doing in the life of this friend? Now how can I join you? Jesus, what are you doing in the lives of those around me? How can I join you? The world and the enemy tells you it's up to you to figure this out. But you know what happens then? It's your ministry. What God's ministry is like, what are you doing in this person's life? How can I join you? Jesus, in that. When it's my ministry based on my thoughts, let me tell you, I get exhausted. From his book, Dangerous Calling, David Tripp writes this. No one is more influential in your life than you are. Because no one talks to you more than you do. Whether you realize it or not, you are in an unending conversation with yourself, and the things you say to you about you are formative of the way that you live. You are constantly talking to yourself about your identity, your functionality, your emotionality, your mentality, your personality, your relationships, etc. You are constantly preaching to yourself some kind of gospel. You preach to yourself an anti-gospel of your own righteousness, power, and wisdom, or you preach to yourself the true gospel of deep spiritual need and sufficient grace. You preach to yourself an anti-gospel of, a loneliness, of aloneness and inability. Or you preach to yourself the true gospel of the presence, provisions, and power of an ever-present Christ. What are you preaching to yourself? What is that voice inside of your head constantly saying to you? Is it truth or is it the enemy? The words that we say are going to shape what we do. Deep ministry happens when we listen or are transformed by his gospel and we preach it to ourselves and then we live it out with others. That is why we're taught in scripture to meditate on his word day and night. Reading God's word isn't one of these things where you get extra points in heaven. It simply is like the things you're allowing in are going to change who you are. What's forming your inside? What's shaping you? Sometimes we just need to show up with that light that's inside of us and ask ourselves, is there a mess that I did not make that I can help clean up? This might be literal. This might just be even relationship. Like I said before, you might ask, is there a baby I can hold? So a mother and father can just breathe for a second. That could be your neighbor, and you're tired of hearing that screaming baby through the wall. Maybe you can go, instead of being exasperated, can I do something? Is there a burden I can carry? And you're not waiting to be asked. The visual picture is somebody just went to the store and they have 12 bags of groceries and they're trying to carry them all at the same time. And they walk by you, and you're like, hey, how's it going? And you just keep going, like like this literal picture. Is there something I can carry? The change that I've been talking about is this deeply engaging with God, listening to Him, this collision of listening to Him and then listening to others, and then lock in and go. Engage. Step in. There are things so personal for me God has allowed me to do certain things and who I am supposed to be for this church, and I accept that. But my friends, I deeply need you. My wife and I deeply need you to pray for us, and we with you. Our staff needs you. This body needs you. In his book, Life Together, Bonhoeffer writes this, those who cannot listen long enough impatiently will always be talking past others and finally will no longer even notice it. Those who think their time is too precious to spend listening will never really have time for God and others, but only for themselves and their own words and plans. It's a lot. I think one of the biggest things that happens is that we simply lose this. We lose the awe of God We lose our engagement of faith and trust and following and worship, and we just try to be that good example. And that's where it falls apart. Because without this, this ends. David Tripp continues in his book, and he writes this The awe of God should be the reason I do what I do with my thoughts, it should be the reason I desire what I desire. The awe of God should be the reason I treat my wife the way I do and parent my children in the manner that I do. It should be the reason I function the way I do at my job or handle my finances the way I do. It should structure the way I think about physical possession and personal position and power. The awe of God should shape and motivate my relationship with my extended family and neighbors. The awe of God should give direction to the way I live as a citizen of the wider community. It should form the way I think about myself and my expectations of others. The awe of God should lift me out of my darkest moments of discouragement and be the source of my most exuberant celebration. The awe of God should make me more self-aware and more mournful of my sin while it makes me more patient and tender towards the weakness of others. It should give me courage. I would have no other way and wisdom to know when I'm out of my league. The awe of God must dominate ministry because the central missional gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ is to give people back their awe of God. And I have so many more notes, but I'm just gonna land here What is ministry, my friends? What we're not going to do is hand out a sign-up sheet to serve next week, though we should. This isn't a message around manipulation to get more people involved. What this is, at the very core of the first things of the Christian life, is that we are called and asked to help people get their awe of God back. Are you with me? Some of you might be going, that, I need the awe of God back. Then this is the place you should be because we're really serious about that. Not the awe of God that he's an angry father up above, but the awe of God that informs everything we do and why we do it. I'm a teacher that has a classroom with a bunch of kids tomorrow And half of them I like, not me personally. And some of them are constantly sick and they're sneezing and coughing. It's all these things. But the awe of God informs how I try to engage with them. I'm in business and it's hard. And I often worry about the next day has and how I interact with my customers and how I interact with people. The awe of God should inform my engagement with them. I'm a mom, and I'm working full-time, and I have the kids, and I need to make dinner, and I have to do all the things. And you love it because you're a beautiful, wonderful mom. And it's hard. My prayer for you is that you'd rediscover the awe of God. Not that everything in your life is always happy and good, but it has deep meaning and purpose. And I pray that if you're married, that you and your husband together can discover the awe of God as your true worship together. And if you're not and you have friends in your church, that your purpose in gathering together is to discover the awe of God together. And then we link arms and serve each other and serve the world. I'm going to jump to the end, William, who's doing slides. This past fall, we did a series called Transformation. And at the end of that series, we did a thing of the, the power and value of daily prayer, of Sabbath and fasting. And we had these prayer cards. And if you've been using this, I want you to know that we've been praying the same prayers every day. There's a prayer that I pray every day that I think is so in line with what this is about says this father help me to live this day to the full being true to you in every way jesus help me to give myself away to others being kind to everyone i meet spirit help me to love the lost proclaiming christ in all i do and all i say as a church, if we could pray that prayer and then engage and lock into the things that it's saying, we are caring for the body and bringing this to the world. Let's pray. Father, man, I just am reminded, Jesus, of those words that you shared with your Father. Like, Man, my prayer for our peop- the people today that they may know that they may be united with you as I am you and you are in me, may they also be in us. And that glory that exists between you, Father, and the Holy Spirit and me, may they be wrapped up into that. And then then may they bring that to the world. My friends, you might be tired. I am guessing a lot of you are because... There's a lot in this world that's tiring and exhausting. and Some of you have been so faithful to what you've been doing. I thank you for that. And you are being truly faithful to what God's called you to do. And you just need to allow, you just need to experience the awe of God. The enemy's going to tell you you're not because of something you did. And what God is saying, hey body, will you do that for each other? You take a moment, and if God brings somebody to mind right now who just needs to be blessed, they might be in this room. They might need to hear that God sees them and loves them and knows them. And how do we know them? Well, God brought that person to your mind and is like, will you go tell them on my behalf that I see them, that I love them? And I know for some people here, that's like, wait, what, is that a real thing? (laughs) Hmm. Yes. So even during our response time, God, maybe have someone who's in your head who just needs to be encouraged or hugged. I really believe God is asking you during our time of response that part of your response this morning is just to go and bless and care for the body of somebody else here that they may know. I can't tell you, I mean, the times when somebody says something to me, that like God told me to say this to you, and then I hear like the same thing from other people. It's like, man, God, God actually sees me. God sees you. And I just believe with all my heart He uses other people to validate that, to say that. It's not nothing that's anti-biblical or against what he's saying. He's just like, God just wants, God just asked you, God brought you to mind. I think it was God. It ain't the devil. <laughs> So to say, it's God, and He just want me to come and to say, "Bless you." He sees you. If you feel uncomfortable doing that, I understand. But service isn't comfortable. <laughs> but we can break so many chains if we're willing just to be the body and serve and love each other.